Blog Talk Radio. Good morning and welcome to Conversations on New Jersey Education, a podcast program from NJSBA. Uh, it's a program designed to bring state leaders, educational leaders to you, and also to discuss the education issues that are important to those of us in the education community and beyond. Uh, we hope that you feel free to participate in the show, and to participate in the show, I'll ask Kurt to uh, describe that. Thanks, Ray. To call in, dial one three four seven. 989-8904. When you are ready to make a comment or ask a question, press 1. That will indicate on my switchboard that you are ready to ask a question. I'll get your name and your question or topic. Also, if you are on the phone line, I will ask you to turn down the volume on your computer and only listen on the phone since there will be a delay and it is confusing. If you are just listening on your computer, we do have a chat room feature that you can log on to. We will be monitoring the chat room and we'll pass on some of the comments or questions on to our speakers. To log on to the chat room, you would need to register with Blog Talk Radio. Thank you, Kurt. Uh, two years ago, a little over two years ago, uh, Governor uh, Christie signed the Anti-Bullying Bill of Rights, a historic landmark uh, legislation that addressed the issue of bullying in New Jersey schools. Uh, made it one of the more aggressive and uh, stricter states in the nation to have uh, this anti-bullying law. As part of that law, and we're about 18 months into the enactment of that law, a little over 18 months, uh, as part of that law, the, 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 the legislature and the governor set up an anti-bullying task force, which was to study um, uh, the implementation of the law. With us today are uh, two members of that task force, the chair, uh, Dr. Patricia Wright uh, from um, New Jersey Principals and Supervisors Association. Welcome, Patricia. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay, and we also have uh, Dr. Joseph Ricca, who is the superintendent of East Hanover uh, Public Schools. Welcome, Joe. Hi, Ray. Thanks very much for having me. Um, First of all, before I get into the the legislation, uh, Patricia, could you tell us a little bit about your background and who appointed you to the task force? Sure. I was a, a, one of the appointees of Governor Chris Christie, and um, my background, uh, I know that they were eager to get people who had a background in the topic of bullying, whether it be in the law, whether it be in education. And so um, I am currently the Executive Director of New Jersey Principals and Supervisors Association. Um, I have been a superintendent, a principal, a vice principal, a and, and a teacher for many years, um, but I also have a passion for the uh, topic of school climate, and I have um, I am one of the co-authors of the New Jersey Bar Foundation's anti-bullying curriculum, and um, I have done work with the foundation over the years in trying to provide training to both school safety teams and um, and uh, specifically administrators uh, around this important topic. Okay, and Joe, um, give a brief background on you. Sure. Um, I, I too was uh, was appointed by Governor Christie to serve on the anti-bullying task force, and it's uh, it's been a tremendous experience thus far working with people like Pat. Um, I uh, also was a coming up through the the ranks in education uh, was a teacher, a history teacher, social studies teacher. Um, I also served as a vice principal for student affairs um, and a principal at. Um, 
both the elementary and the middle school level, and, and presently I serve as superintendent of schools in, in East Hanover Township. Um, we're doing uh, fantastic things for children, uh, working to develop programs that uh, instill and, and, and support a positive climate and culture in schools and infusing character education in, into our academic lessons. And uh, we, we also work uh, with, with other schools and, and other uh, professionals and, and leaders in, in terms of improving and, and increasing uh, positive climate and culture in, in schools, both in, in the state of New Jersey and, and I've also worked with folks uh, outside of New Jersey. So it's been a it's been a great experience, um, and you know, really, the the driving force for me is that a recognition that we can never truly achieve academic great academic success without having a healthy and positive climate and culture. Uh, Patricia, uh, both of you are gov- appointees of Governor Christie, but there are people who are on the committee that were appointed by others, right? Yes, yes, there are. Um, also on the committee, there are seven members of the committee in total. Uh, also on the committee is the co-chair, um, Philip Meisner, who is an attorney, and he was appointed by uh, Senate President Stephen Sweeney. Um, we also have um, Brad Lerman, who is um, a doctor of psychology. He was appointed by Governor Chris Christie, and um, he runs the Inclusive Schools Climate Initiative and the Bullying Prevention Institute at the Graduate School of Applied and Professional Psychology at Rutgers. Uh, Tony Pergolin was also appointed by Governor Chris Christie, and she is president of Bancroft, um, uh, which is a nonprofit organization that um, serves about 1,500 children and adults with autism and brain injuries and other intellectual or developmental disabilities. And then finally, Jessica DeConnick, who was also who was appointed by um, uh, the Speaker and General Assembly uh, in, of the General Assembly, which is Sheila Oliver, and she is the in-house counsel for South Orange uh, Maplewood School District. Uh, oh, in addition, Lou Ann Peter Paul—that's the last one. She is also an attorney, and she was appointed by um, uh, Senate President Stephen Sweeney and uh, and uh, the General Assembly Speaker Sheila Oliver, and she's also a um, a lawyer and is uh, vice chair of the Garden State Equality and co-chair of its anti-bullying initiative. Uh, Joe, so it's a bipartisan, but it seems like, uh, is it a cohesive group that's working together? It, uh, it absolutely is. Yeah, it, it's been like I said, it's been a, a great experience. That so we have folks that are that are coming from various uh, different capacities that that work with children and uh, and the folks have really been focused on on the primary objective, which is uh, to to study the the law and, and implementation. Ray, okay. I think you know, if I may add, uh, you know, one of the things that makes this group uh, such a pleasure to work with is the group is extremely passionate about what the spirit of that law is. Um, and the spirit of that law is all around trying to build the types of school climates in schools that allow for uh, the most, the best learning environment um, for the students. And I think that's at the heart of the law and it's at the heart of everybody's um, intention on this uh, anti-bullying task force. Well, <coughs> excuse me, Patricia, what is the charge of the committee? Uh, well, it, it actually has a specific charge and that's with first thing it can do is provide guidance to school districts on what is available in terms of resources to assist them with implementation. Um, the second thing, which is what we really focused on the most uh, during this big initial stages, was the, uh, examining the implementation um, mm-hmm. of the law. And then finally, we can really um, also 
draft model regulations that could be submitted to the Commissioner of Education. Um, we can present recommendations regarding the law itself, if that's deemed necessary. Um, so those are really, that's really the, the four main charges that we have. Okay. Um, you you did release a preliminary report, um, I guess, uh, the end of January. Uh, Joe, uh, what was overall? Do you think the law has made a difference? Uh, does the committee? I'm not going to say you personally. Did the committee feel that it, there were some positive contributions from the the law? Um, well, I think you know, echoing uh, echoing past sentiments, the, the the task force is is truly so passionate uh, about about our our charge and and I think you know one of the conversations that we continually have uh, is how how is the the law affecting schools and and how is it helping students and and we're constantly looking to secure data uh, to be able to identify if if in fact there there are you know positive contributions I think what we've seen and what what's reflected in in the preliminary report is that without a doubt um, the focus and attention related to harassment intimidation and bullying in, in public schools has certainly been sharpened um, and folks are, are definitely paying much more close attention uh, to these types of situations all across the state of New Jersey um, I think as as time goes forward uh, and we continue to collect data and information related to the implementation of the law we'll have a, a much firmer idea uh, as to the positive uh, impacts that the, the legislation is having across the state, as well as, uh, of course, you know, unintended consequences, both positive and negative and in between. Um, so uh, sort of the, sh the short answer to your question is, is, is the law making a difference? It's, it's certainly um, awakened uh, folks um, all across the state to, to the expectations of, of the Anti-Bullying Bill of Rights. Uh, Patricia, as I read through the report, it, there seems to be, and it's not, it's not definitive, but it seems there might be a concern that, I don't want to say over-reporting, but there seems to be a, a, a lot of people reporting uh, incidents in that they find that they're not bullying. Is that, did I read the report a little bit correct think, on that? Yeah, um, actually, let, let me just go back a little bit. What the, what the task force decided to do was try to um, collect data and look at available data, and, and we, we broke it down to like seven categories around implementation, and they would be the, the HIV definition itself, harassment, intimidation, and bullying definition that's in the law, um, the reporting, the investigation, the range of responses, the training available, the types of programs schools are using, um, the roles that are, are outlined in the law, for example, the anti-bullying specialist, the anti-bullying coordinator, those kinds of roles, and um, the, the potential for the state to grade schools on this, and then resources. And so there were nine broad categories. In this mm -hmm. initial beginning, which was only 180 days that we met, um, we actually focused in on the definition, um, the reporting, the investigation, the training, and the roles. And I think um, the definition came out to be there was a clear concern with, with the definition and a, um, not clearly understanding the definition. And that led mm -hmm. to um, a lot of reporting of incidents that may not have been bullying but were fully investigated uh, because they may have been reported as bullying. So I think, you know, there is some confusion as to when is it bullying, when is it social conflict, and um, those types of issues. So uh, there, that, that was a that was a major um, a major concern was a confusion around the definition. 
right. either one of you can answer this. Uh, I know when the law first came out, uh, was, and we were doing training sessions on it, looking at it, you would probably, if you're going to err, you're going to err on the side of reporting something as a bullying incident. Yeah. Uh, I Probably particularly in the first year. Uh, is that something that you think might, as you continue to study, people get more comfortable with the definition of bullying or, or familiar with, with and recognize it easier? Yeah, I, I think you hit that on the head, uh, Ray. I think that uh, in the beginning, you know, there was, an. Uh, I think one of the things that we said in the report was, you know, the fear of liability, the, you know, the heavy emphasis on the on the legal aspect of, of this um, whole problem. I think um, there there were, was probably people were erring on the side of, um, uh, you know, having everything or or the large majority of things investigated investigated as they get more comfortable. I I, I am sure that we will see um, that that shifts over time, and that you know we're trying to provide some possible recommendations that might help that. Joe, uh, right. you know, you're a superintendent, uh, and I know you're. Uh, I know you as a superintendent are in your buildings a lot and you're aware of your school climate. Do you think the law affect uh, now I know you had a pro, you were pretty aggressive before this, but do you think the law had a, made your staff much more aware and the parents in the community much more aware about the whole incident of bullying? Oh sure. Uh, and I can say that w- without a doubt. Um we we did have a very and, and continue to have a very aggressive a programmatic approach to character education and, and certainly our expectations for student uh, conduct are, are, like so many districts across the state, very high. Um, but related to the Anti-Bullying Bill of Rights, this is really a new lens through which we were looking at uh, behaviors and, and the way that we were going about business um, in our schools uh, related to, to harassment, intimidation, and bullying. And the, the, the training component and I think the communication component was what really made a huge difference in terms of, of a public understanding of what the expectation levels were. And I have to say, you know, uh, organizations like uh, New Jersey School Boards and and Pat's organization at New Jersey uh, Principal and Supervisor Association, as well as NJAS, they provided a lot of training um, and continue to provide a lot of training and support because I think, like Pat was mentioning, depending upon who you speak with and where you go, there, there can still be sort of ambiguity as to what the expectation is related to definition, related to reporting. And I think the ongoing challenge will be to continue to make sure that our professionals are highly trained as well as our our community members in in what the expectation should be throughout our schools and and what our what our students uh what our students can be expected to to receive as uh, in terms of protections uh related to the, the bill of rights. Um um, either one of you, I'll, I guess I'll ask Patricia since Joe just spoke, uh, but feel free to chime in. Uh, is there Was there any uh, – and I know you should continue to investigate. In fact, I went to one of the public hearings uh, that was held in uh, Joe's district. Um, was there clarity on everyone's role? Uh, you know, because we have a lot of different – you know, you have the anti-bullying uh, specialists and coordinators. So was there clarity among the uh, staff members of, as to what they're supposed to do? Um, I think there was clarity uh, uh, as to the role. I think that um, we tried to um, – one, one of the roles that I, I would like to hone in on because I think it's so important is that does not have clarity, and that is the school safety team. 
Mm-hmm. And right. the, the origins of the school safety team go back to um, the Commission on Bullying in Schools, which uh, John Corzine uh, ran that commission and or appointed that commission. And that um, I, I sat on that commission. And the the um, the thrust of their report had to do with the idea of developing school climate teams. Uh, um, you know, the term safety to me sometimes, you know, talked about fire drills and lockdowns and things, but that, that wasn't the purpose. The purpose of the school safety team and the school climate team as described by the commission was um, as a professional learning community team that sat down and looked at all aspects of school climate, not just bullying reports. And so I think there was there may be some confusion over to what what is their role exactly, and and their role and and so that's why one of the recommendations the major recommendations we made in this report is that more training needs to occur for school safety teams around their true role, which is to provide leadership in the school community for looking at issues related to school climate. And school climate is much more broad than. Um, than uh, just bullying, looking at instances of bullying, as I said. So, you know, to help that, the Department of Education has just released to every district a free um, school climate survey. And um, I think that that's that's really going to be a a useful tool for schools to to have that data to start with and look at all aspects of their school climate. And that school safety team kind of lead the, um, the effort and, and plan some ways to address the areas of need in that particular school. Because as you know, every school um, is different. And so um, the needs are going to be different as related to school climate. Now, right. if I would, Ray, if, you know, I could, if I could just add to, to, to what Pat said, from a practical standpoint, um, the, the survey from the Department of Education uh, is, and the materials are, are great. And we've, we've utilized them in, in East Hanover Township uh, uh, much to our pleasure, and and you know Pat is 100% correct. I had the uh, the privilege to to sit in on our school uh, safety team meetings over the last couple of weeks, and uh, those teams are doing exactly what Pat is is recommending, and and that is focusing on the climate and culture, focusing on trends, focusing on patterns of behaviors and ways um, that they can become a proactive force um, rather than a reactive force. And, and that's exactly what we want to see. We want to see these, these talented folks uh, focusing on improving climate and culture and not just going over data related to HIV incidents. Uh, we're speaking with uh, Joe Ricca and uh, Patricia Wright on the Anti-Bullying Task Force. If you want to call in and ask a question, call 1-347-989-8904 and press 1, and Kurt will get your question. I know someone had a question, but they hung up. I'm not sure what happened. Um <laughs> It had something to do. It. <laughs> no, I don't think so, because it had something to do with schools uh, allowing uh, other clubs to use um, uh, other organizations to use their building, like the Boy Scouts, the Girl Scouts, and how does I guess uh-huh. bullying fill into that? But uh, they didn't get to ask it. I only knew the first part, so uh, I don't really want to. If they're out there, they can call back because I don't want to ask a question. I don't know what it is. Um, Oh, uh, one of the other things I did notice, and I have to agree with you because uh, we've put on some meetings on the school climate, uh, uh, on school security and safety, and climate seems to, be, to me to be one of the things that is very preventive in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it probably helps educationally, too. So um, 
that will be something that you will be looking at with the school safety uh, committees? Oh, a- absolutely, because there are there are many dimensions to school climate. Um, you know, the relationships in the school, uh, student to student, adult to adult, adult to student. Um, there's uh, the learning, the, the, the way learning is approached in school says a lot about school climate in terms of the amount of personalization, differentiation. There's many areas to look at in school climate beyond um, just um, behavior. Um, and and bullying. So I think that um, that that's that's a real key um, to creating the types of school climates where bullying is least likely to occur. And I think that's what we're really trying to do. Right. Uh, I attended, like I said, I attended one. Of, you're having. I should make the public where you're yep. you're uh, holding public hearings to gather yeah. information. You're having yeah. three of them. Uh, well, you already had one. Uh, do you want to explain where they are and why you're doing them? Yes. The, the the second one will be held March 21st, and that will be right here at NJPSA. Um, our headquarters are in um, Monroe, uh, 12th Center Drive. And um, the the final one in the south will be at Highland Regional High School in, in Blackwood on April 11th. And we're really doing these to gather more data as a task force, to hear from um, anyone who wants to, um, to, to give us any kind of information that would help us in, um, in meeting our charge as a task force. And, we, you know, we began that process first talking to the people who really are involved with implementation. And so we asked um, all the professional organizations in the state to to um, help us to gather focus groups, uh, teachers, um, superintendents, uh, uh, school board members, uh, principals, uh, school counselors. I mean, we, we really tried to, to touch upon uh, the people in the schools who are responsible for implementation. And uh, we did hold focus groups, but we really want to hear from, from others who are interested in giving us information. So that's why we had the public hearing. I want to talk a little bit yeah. more about that, but we do have the person came back for the phone call, and uh, they're from Salem County. Hold on. Valerie? Yes. You uh I don't know what your I just know you had something about the Boy Scouts using the school facilities. Right. My question is how do we still justify allowing the the Boy Scouts to to come in and use school facilities um when their behavior uh in the sense that you cannot be a unitarian, you can't be an atheist, you can't be an agnostic, you can't be gay to be in the Boy Scouts. Um but if any of those things happened during my son's gym class and they said, uh, you're an atheist, you can't be on our team, we wouldn't allow that. They'd be sent to the office. But yet the schools are still funding and allowing the Boy Scouts to meet there. That's probably beyond the prerogative of this task force. I'll put you on hold, Valerie, but uh, uh, you can listen to the answer. Uh, I I don't think you were – that's more of a political question. It's well, a policy correct. question, I think. Yeah, it's, a, it's really a policy question if you think about it, right? Uh, right. Policy question. It really doesn't yeah. fall under our charge as a task force. Uh, okay, uh, let's move on to. But thanks, Valerie. Um, one of the things that uh, I know you're looking at, and I, when I attended the the public hearing in uh, East Hanover, one of the things that came out, and will you be looking at this? Uh, 
some and this came from the mostly mostly from the pra- practitioners is that uh some of them are a counselor in a school of some sort but now they're also the investigator of the bullying and they felt that that was kind of a conflict between their two positions yeah that that was definitely something we did a, a survey of um all the um anti-bullying uh specialists and anti-bullying coordinators which gave mm-hmm. us a lot of useful information and certainly that um that was one of them the 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 conflict in roles which we will be studying more and also um also that they had to give up um i think it was nearly 62% of the anti-bullying specialists and 49% of the anti-bullying coordinators um indicated that they either agreed or strongly agreed that they had to give up other job responsibilities in um in taking on the role of investigation now certainly we hope that as um, some of our recommendations around investigations uh, or around the definition, um, if we hope that they go forward and uh, that may help ease the amount of um, investigations that have to be done. And I think that that will naturally happen as we spoke about earlier because mm-hmm. now we're in the second year of implementation. Um, and one of the other issues that has in it. I have to say that it probably always comes up, no matter what the new initiative is. But was there a concern about the funding for the program? I think I think funding is 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 always a concern, and you know certainly uh, you're talking about as Pat was mentioning, pretty pretty major paradigm shifts in 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 some ways in terms of expectation of of duties and responsibilities, and we see that all the time, don't we? I mean we're we're seeing it right now with uh, Achieve NJ. Um, and any time that there's there's a change, it, it always brings up a great deal of concern. Now, in terms of funding for for the uh, anti-bullying bill of rights, I can I can tell you that um, we have in East Hanover Township have really searched out ways to be able to provide uh, for our students and to be able to meet the expectations uh, put forward in the in the law um, without having to expend uh, additional resources. In, anytime you're budgeting, um, you're always going to, at least I hope, you would have uh, you, you know, supplies and, and supports related to um, climate and culture and, and character education and student support services. Um, and we've tried to really work within um, the budgetary constraints that, that we've already had. Now, as everybody knows, there, there, there has been conversation related to additional funding going forward. Um, but in terms of the, the task force and what we're looking at, um, we're we're mostly looking at that implementation and i think pat we've we've heard uh, funding concerns but a lot of folks yeah. have also said yeah. that they've been trying to work with uh, what they have right we yeah we have heard those concerns but actually the task force that was one of the major categories i spoke about earlier um mm-hmm. is resources and so um i think though that that we will be doing more in looking at that um mm-hmm. so, as we move forward um and um when i went to the uh, the public hearing i did notice that not so much from the educators uh the the practitioners but sometimes from the uh the community members they felt they had no place to go uh to get information on anti-bullying they didn't understand all the ramifications of the law uh yeah. was that something that you've seen i mean i know you haven't had that many public hearings but is that something that you're looking at too well, you know that was our first, and um, and I have to tell you, uh, we're so appreciative of folks coming and 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 sharing and taking the time. And you were, the, you know, Ray, you were there. It was a good turnout. 
um, and folks were really sharing some some very deep and and personal situations with us. And you're right. Uh, one of the things that that continued to to sort of surface was that folks really didn't understand where they could go to find information, and that's inf that's data that we're going to take back to the full task force from that public hearing and share with them um, and, and I'm sure have more conversations about that moving forward. Um, there's a great deal of information out there. It's, it's just making sure that folks have a roadmap to be able to find it. Um, were, were there any other issues that you were thinking uh, that you need to study a little bit more that were coming up that were percolating that you said, not that you have a decision on it, but uh, that you're going to start looking at uh, to help with the implementation of the law? Um, one of the things I know we mentioned specifically in the report was that we will be looking at, um, at schools who reported very few instances of bullying because this is the first time that on the EVDRS these instances were captured by the um, Department of Education and so you had schools that had many, many investigations and schools that had very few. And so we'd like to just see, we, we've kind of looked at why there were so many. We want to look at, you know, why there might be so few also, and, and that might help us mm -hmm. understand the process better also and look at some best practices that could be occurring also. Oh, so you're looking at whether it's the best practice or whether it's a problem with the reporting. Right. Or Okay. Maybe a bit, bit of both. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, you know, I, I, you know, it is only you're only 18 months in, so I would assume, right. and probably most of your data is after only one year anyway. Right. Uh, so it is hard to tell. I'm sure the it's an uneven um, implementation of the law. Some people might be more comfortable with it. I don't know if it's easier in a smaller district as opposed to a larger district. I, is there any data on the difference in size districts or demographics having any effect in the bullying reporting? No, we have not looked at data that would support that at this particular time. Right. Um, I have one, uh, there was another question that I wanted to get back. I know you have you had uh, one public hearing. You have another one on March 21st and April 11th. If someone can't make those, is there a way that they can send information and give you comment? Um, I would. That's actually. Uh, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Joe. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say that's actually, Ray, and, you know, it's, it, Pat and I haven't seen each other since last Thursday, um, but that's actually one of the, the, the data points that, have, that came out of last week's hearing is that, um, you know, folks were asking for uh, a way that they could communicate with the task force and provide the task force with, with information um, outside of the realm of a public hearing or if you couldn't attend a public hearing. So uh, I'm sure that's something that we'll talk about at our next meeting. We're meeting next Tuesday, right, Pat? Yes, and that's something on the agenda. And how we can get right. that. If it wasn't, it is now. But, uh, it is now. <laughs> Our agenda is very, you know, I, I have to, you know, I just want to say, Ray, I, you know, as chair of this, um, you know, I, I've been on uh, commissions and task force before and whatever, and I, I just really have to say um, that, that um, this task force, works extremely hard. Uh, we have we started our meetings um, in July and have met at least once, if not twice, um, in some months. And, um, and 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 we feel and you know it's really the commitment of these of the members of the task force. We can't say enough about them um, uh, that they do this really um, on a volunteer basis, having been appointed and. Uh, 
they've given a huge amount of their time and, and just simply because of the passion around the importance of this topic, um, uh, they've, they've worked really hard to get this far. So, so uh, we look forward to continuing to look at all this data uh, and, and to create even more, you know, ourselves is to, is to try to keep, keep getting data that we, can, that we can get and analyze. And um, as we move forward, now we're, we're actually, um, we have to give a report now yearly. So our next report won't come out until January of um, 2000 and that would be 14, 14. right? So. Yes. Yeah. Now, uh, actually, I should mention because you you threw out the numbers, you surveyed the members because you you mentioned that there were 62 percent and 49 percent felt that they were given up uh, of the anti-bullying coordinators and specialists. They had to drop something from their old duties. Right. Uh, could you talk about how you surveyed them? Because the, if people go to the report, and it, it is uh, you can just go to the Department of Ed's website to get it. And I, I think most of the educational groups probably have a link to that, too. Um, but there was a lot of good data there that you surveyed uh, the school districts. Do you want to talk about uh, that, who you surveyed and what questions you asked? Um, I don't have the survey itself in front of me. I don't know if Joe does, but I yeah, do. Yeah, sure. I, I, I could talk about it. Well, you have to We actually surveyed... Um, we, we were able to um, get from the Department of Education the names of all and emails of all the anti-bullying specialists on record and all the anti-bullying right. coordinators. So a right. survey was developed by um, two members of our uh, task force uh, and then uh, sent out to all of those. Um, and I, I'm looking for the figures as we speak as to the return rate, which was pretty good. Um, so the, yeah, it was. So you went to the people who are the new, and they're all new in this position, the new practitioners, and asked them right. how they felt after uh, after one year of implementing the job. Yes. Well, yes. Yeah, and just and practical practical questions too, not just about you know sort of how how they were feeling about implementation, but but how how the uh, the law itself was impacting their professional day and their professional duties and responsibilities. Now I have I, I and I I'm remiss myself I should have had it in front of me but if I remember correctly most of them did feel that it helped it was a positive change in the school climate at least towards uh, bullying. Yes. Yes. Awareness the the term awareness was was a was a very popular term in all of the focus groups and um, even on the survey that um, it just raised the level of awareness and really had schools focusing. Um, heavily on this issue, and I think that that in itself was the major positive that so right. right. And you yeah. had over over sixty percent of of folks that were responding um, agreed that uh, that it was a positive uh, step toward toward prevention of I, HIV. I, I think another thing that came out from that survey that we did comment comment on in our report was that um, they, as far as training goes, um, there was a feeling that there was sufficient amount of training around the how-tos, the implementation, the procedural part of the law, but what was needed was more training around um, because the law does call for um, an instructional program for the students that's ongoing. It calls for addressing the entire school climate. So I think now the training 
um, one of our recommendations is to shift toward those things, um, you know, training in best practices for improving right. climate, that right. type of thing. The other thing that came out from that was the need for training around investigations. And right. NJPSA and um, the uh, state police, and the Department of Education are already offering, um, we've, we've collaborated with the department to offer training um, on doing investigations uh, in the schools. So, um, so we're already doing that. Uh, taking off your task force hats, uh, Joe as a superintendent, and I'll ask Patricia as for her members, uh, there's always Acha to, you know, when we have a new law and, and there's a quick turnaround. Uh, do you feel that after you know after the initial impact, it's been accepted by your peers pretty much, uh, and uh, in most of the school districts? At least you're in Morris County, so you probably know those districts right. better. Oh. Right, right, yeah, and and you know I, I certainly I, I wouldn't want to speak out of turn or for anybody, else, but I can uh, I can tell you that I think most most school leaders, most folks who work with children um, would agree that if there is a practice or a law uh, or mandate in place that is going to protect children, even if it just protects one child, uh, it's worth it. And I think, like you said, paradigm shifts are difficult, changes, change is hard, but I think what we're seeing and, and that there's a recognition that if we can protect our children, if we can do a better job in providing safe and secure schools, I think most folks are going to try and do that. I think most folks were trying to do that, Ray. Um, I, I do. I think a lot of people were doing that way before yep. this law. But I, I right. also want right. to say that, you know, as far as uh, principals go, you know, um, we, we, you know, we're all being, as, as we alluded to before with the new evaluation system, we're all being evaluated based on these ISLIC standards. And one of those standards clearly is the principal's role in creating a positive school climate for both, mm -hmm. for both the students and the adults who live there every day, um, because by doing that, um, we know as leaders that um, there's a greater potential for um, uh, improved student learning. And so, right. you know, that's the bottom right. line. That's why we're there. Um, and you know, so yeah. to make that happen. And to capital, uh, yeah, just to capitalize on Pat's point, you know, and it, and it really does require uh, the support of, of the superintendent um, to support the principals in, in their mission and their role in the building level and also the Board of Education. Um, you know, we sort of have to be in this uh, together and we have to commit that we're going to work uh, work toward um, achieving these goals together. And, and I think that's really, like Pat said, we're expecting the principal, we're expecting a lot of the principals, expecting a lot of the anti-bullying specialists. We have to support them in their role. All right, uh, we're moving towards the close. Um, was there is there any issue that I haven't addressed that uh, you think uh, is percolating out there that uh, maybe it's not even a report that the official report that some people have been bringing to your attention that you you, you think the committee might be addressing? I don't really have anything that you that you haven't asked, but one thing that for me again is sort of a point of practice that I've seen. Um, is I've seen uh, anti-bullying coordinators and anti-bullying specialists working together, sort of uh, you know across districts and and meeting regularly and discussing the situations that are occurring, patterns and um, characteristics that they're seeing in their school districts, as well as best practices, and it's you know sort of a, a leveraging of of all of the different skill sets that are out there. I think has been a benefit to folks. Um, and, you know, maybe the more people that continue to work together and communicate and talk uh, across districts, um, 
the better it'll become. Okay, Patricia, anything else that you'd add like that? No, I really think that that our biggest uh, hope as a task force is that we move from the 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 focus on the compliance piece of this law to what this law was truly intended to do. And if you read through it and if you look at the history of how this law came about from the time of LW, the LW case through the Commission on Bullying in Schools to this new law, if you look at those, the, the real emphasis was always on there's a strong recognition that strengthening school climate is the single best way to prevent HIV in a school. And so we know that it's research-based, and so we need to start focusing on that component of the law. Not the 10-day, you know, we can all do the 10-day investigation check. We have an anti-bullying specialist check, you know, but um, <laughs> that, that work of the, of, the, of the school safety team as a team with the administrators and teachers together looking at um, issues around school climate and really um, putting in the work to address those issues, looking at data that comes from those initiatives that they put in place and see if things are working. I think that ongoing process of continuous improvement of their culture and climate is key in really solving this overall issue. I had yep. one thing uh, I meant to ask you this earlier. Uh, uh, there were some uh, appeals uh, to the commissioner. Uh, ironically, not ironically, but I thought it was interesting that both of them came from uh, parents of uh, children accused of being the bully. Um, and I guess the fear, and in both cases, the commissioner's decision, uh, the commissioner upheld the local district's decision. Uh, is that a, almost a positive sign that uh, that it was seemed to be um, that? These parents were concerned that their kid would be labeled a bully, uh, and it's almost turned the tables a little bit. I, I now I know part of it is they don't want the kid, their child, to be labeled a bully, and they feel it's going to be on their record for the rest of their educational career. Uh, but did you take notice of those two decisions? Oh sure, yeah, definitely. Um, I think I think I don't want to speak for Pat. You know, Pat, you can speak for yourself. But I think in terms of of the decisions being rendered uh, quickly and 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 sort of the determination, that was something that, that piqued my interest. Um, but but I think you know again as an educator, you understand you you understand uh, the fears and the concerns on both sides always. And you know our goal is to to provide, like Pat said, a safe and secure environment for for our children to learn. Um, and you know, yeah. getting through these types of situations. For us, we're always educators, and even though a bullying situation may occur, we're always thinking about what are we going to do after? How are we going to remediate the situation? How are we going to support these children so they can continue to go to school and work together, you know? Um, so it's not just about consequence for us. It's also about rebuilding um, and, and education. Yeah, and it's not just about labels. Um, you know, what, what we're there for, you know, there's there's a whole part of the law about you know, as, as as Joe just alluded to, ranges of responses around this. And I think, you know, um, you know, kids who are named bullies by the age of eight, you know, can can remain bullies for the rest of their lives and has a significant impact on them. It's not about the label. It's about providing the necessary uh, interventions to help both bullies and victims. Yeah. Um, um, to to get the best possible education they can, and to learn the types of behaviors that are going to make them successful. Right. And I don't know the answer to this, but I know parents are concerned that if they 
in, in, I think in both these in, incidents that their child now will be on the record for the rest of their life, and it will follow them to college. And I, I don't believe that's the case, uh, is it? Well, you know, if you're yeah. seven or eight years old, and um, no, well, you know, I, I don't think that I don't think that anybody should expect that. Going to be on your high school if, transcripts, right? I don't think that anybody should expect that if a five-year-old or a six-year-old um, or a seven or eight-year-old finds themselves in in, a, in a, a difficult situation related to HIV, that it's something that's going to mar them for the remainder of the years. Yeah. That's not our goal. I'll tell you that. But I also think there has to be a recognition that, um, look, we all know that that bullying and harassment and intimidation exists in the adult world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and mm-hmm. if we want if we want to try and create a kinder and more understanding and, and empathetic society, and we we really believe in these goals we're espousing, um, we have to also understand that these are serious expectations, um, and we need the help and support of parents and guardians to be able to accomplish that. Okay, Patricia, I'll have you have the uh, ten seconds or so. Um, I, I really I think we've we've basically said it all. We, okay. we want to keep that focus on the school climate. And, yep. and and all stakeholders helping us build the best school climate possible for all of our students. Well, I'd like to thank you, both of you, Patricia Wright. Uh, thank you. Thank you, Ray. Joe, uh, Rika, thank you, too. Uh, thank you, Ray. It's always great to talk with you. Okay. Uh, and March 21st in Monroe and April 11th in, where was that? Blackwood High School. Blackwood, Blackwood. High School. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Dillon's Regional High School in Blackwell. Blackwood. Okay. Thank you. Okay. And that brings us to the end of the show. All right. Thank you. Thank you. Bye now. Thanks. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye.